0: Hello and welcome to the History Teacher Podcast, and this week we're heading over to Vietnam to look back at the war between the capitalists and the communists in Vietnam. Our question is, why did the USA send combat troops into Vietnam? And it's an incredibly complex topic. I did think about asking the question, why did the USA get involved in the Vietnam War? And although that's a similar question, there's a subtle but very important difference. You see, it's fairly obvious that the USA got heavily involved in Vietnam because of the Cold War and because the USA had committed itself to preventing the spread of communism throughout the world as part of this Cold War that they were in. The USA had been involved in Vietnam and in trying to prevent the communists from taking control there since just after the Second World War but it was mostly indirectly. It wasn't until 1965 that they officially sent the army in 20 years later the US had been trying to prevent the spread of communism in many areas around the world but they didn't always send in the army in fact it was rare that they did but in Vietnam over 20 years after communists started to seriously attempt to gain control of Vietnam the US sent their own men to fight die and be seriously wounded in Vietnam the war was a catastrophe for America, tearing the country in two at home between pro and anti war protesters, and eventually resulting in the most powerful nation in the world being beaten by one of the weakest, poorest, most underdeveloped nations in the world. What on earth brought them to this decision? Joining us for this podcast, we've got an enthusiastic and stellar lineup of a massive six students. All friends who'd been asking to be on the podcast and were so dedicated that they stayed behind after school on a Friday to record the episode. So pull on your history pants, make yourself comfy and let's get stuck into why the USA sent combat troops to Vietnam. Time for some Vietnam history podcast. And today our key, key question in our history teacher podcast is what? Caused the Americans to become involved in Vietnam during what became the disastrous Vietnam War, and today we have got Alex, Sam, Tom, James, Dan, a more solid set of standard English boys' names we could not have found than those, could we? Hey, <laughs> um and. They've been away and they've done some research and they've got some ideas about why America might have got involved in the Vietnam conflict. And so, who wants to begin?
1: Well, let's go. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, right, so I was going to start off by talking about the uh, first French Indochina War. And this was the war just after the Second World War between the French and the, Viet- uh, the Vietnamese. And it was sort of a war for lost glory. I think Fr- uh, the French, uh, French at the time really wanted to reclaim their empire. Uh, they sort of lost it throughout the Second World War, uh, thanks to the Nazi occupation. And it was really humiliating for them because it's, you know, they'd lost everything. Not only had their country been invaded, they lost all that power around the world, you know, practically in the space of 10 years, and it'd take them hundreds of years to build this up. So it was really humiliating for them. So, what the French did is they launched a new campaign, and um, he wanted to reclaim parts of the lost empire. Um, so, what he did is he sent um, some troops into Vietnam. Um, to try to claim it back from Ho Chi Minh, who was the leader of the Viet Minh, I believe, at the time. Uh, now, there had been um, a brief period before then when it had been claimed by the Japanese, and it was during um, the period just after the Japanese had left that um, the Viet Minh had managed to reclaim all of Vietnam for Vietnam, basically. And they were somewhat associated with being communists, but um, I, th- I think they were a lot more about Vietnamese independence than just you know, nationalism, really, rather than communism. But they ended up being associated with the communists in part because of their leader Ho Chi Minh who had ties to the Soviet Union and China. I think that's really what first indicated to the Americans uh, that they wanted or needed to get involved in Vietnam because in later years they got um, really involved in the Red Scare which I'm sure that somebody else here will be talking about uh, presently but uh, I've got a really interesting quote here from Roosevelt who was the um, president of the US at the time and I've read that apparently Roosevelt really didn't want uh, the French to reclaim Vietnam. He believed in sort of freedom for these former colonies, uh, and that's you know like Britain's India and whatever. Um, and he says here, "I do not believe in communism any more than you do, but there is nothing wrong with the communists in this country. Several of the best friends I've got are communists," and he, those are his words <laughs> by the man himself. And I'd like to pass it on then. Yeah, cheers.
0: Where's your source of information of that Roosevelt actually said those words? This is going to be telling. It's here. Quotes, A Z quotes, A Z quotes. Right, I'm going to set you a challenge to see if you can find any other source. See, get that quote into Google. See if you can find any other evidence that Roosevelt said those words. And whilst you do, um, I w- I will support what you were saying because I won't be too so surprised if he did say something about like along those lines. America was anti-colonialist, so they w- Ho Chi Minh actually thought that America would come and support their independence movement. And as Sam says, a lot of the Viet Minh army were far more concerned about getting rid of foreigners from their country than they were of bringing communism to their country. And the Americans from the very first seemed to fail to realize that. They they knew exactly what they were fighting for. The Americans were fighting to stop the spread of communism. But they didn't take enough time to really think about what the Vietnamese were fighting for. And what it really was, was independence more than it was communism. So, why else? Oh, we, have we got a, a result? I think
1: we may have a source. Uh, somebody here is saying that apparently um, there's a book called no, uh, no Ordinary Time, Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt, the home uh, home front in World War II. I think it's that, anyways. And they're saying uh, they've got this quote down here. So I think it's a fairly veracious source.
0: Okay, so, and and then, of course, Roosevelt was, uh, died before the end of the Second World War, right at the end of the Second World War before the Cold War really got going. And I think Alex wants to speak to us a little bit about the Cold War, is that right Alex?
2: Uh, I feel why America uh, sent troops into Vietnam was because of communism, Uh, the fear of spread of communism. Uh, They traded with many different nations and one one of the bigger nations was China. Now China, between the years 1927 and 49 had a civil war. This civil war ended in uh, uh, capitalists, that, no communists, that won. Which for the Americans was a huge and terrible shock. The president at the time, President Truman, 1945 to 53, was accused of losing China and criticized massively. The fact that communism came out on top, prevailed, was uh, the fact that that happened stopped uh, Vietnam, uh, No, stopped America from trading with places like China. So just to
0: clarify a couple of those points, y- the, the president, President Truman w- was, was president at the point when China fell to communism and he got criticized massively. For losing communism, uh, losing communism, losing China to communism, which is a bit of a strange thing to criticise him for, because China was never America's to lose in the first place, but that certainly happened, and presidents thereafter were always quite nervous about any country falling to communism under their watch, under their presidency. (laughs) So we're going to hear a bit about Korea, are we, from James
3: um so i've done a yeah so i think that Korea was quite an important aspect for why american troops were sent to vietnam because Korea, the korean war was very similar to the vietnam war in the fact that the north was communist and the south was well no, non-communist um <laughs> <laughs> i've not really read over this i literally <laughs> sort of I dropped it on me you've
0: not read <laughs> over your notes? no yet? well i have i have
3: <laughs> i have but no no it's history.com actually with
0: your patriotic name and your am read i do <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: See, anyway, they decided to get involved because, again, it it links to Alex's point, they didn't really want communism to spread throughout the world and they didn't want the domino theory to go into effect, really, so...
0: At this point, I should explain what the domino theory was. President Eisenhower, who was president after Truman, thought that communism was likely to spread around the world from one country to the next neighbouring country, like a domino train. If you push one domino that's set up, it will knock the next domino, the next domino, the next domino, and it will just keep spreading. And President Eisenhower made this public to the nation that he believed in the domino theory. And this is another reason why America got involved in Vietnam, because they thought they had to stop communism from spreading somewhere. And Vietnam was the next domino that was potentially going to fall, if you like.
3: They got involved in the Korean War uh oh they got involved with south Korea by supporting them again a bit like the vietnam war where they supported the south and um yeah i I mean it um they fought for about a a year or so maybe until it became a stalemate and neither neither side had the advantage and i think both sides decided to go for um into negotiations for an agreement um you know for peace but And the North Koreans said they wanted to do that, but the Americans said they didn't. So uh, fighting continued for another two years, uh, and eventually the Americans said yes. However, um, the agreement stated that the border would remain in place between the two countries. So America, in theory, just lost a lot of their best soldiers, really, and communism remained in North Korea. So they didn't really achieve much through the war, apart from really lose a lot of good soldiers. So, you know, fast forward to the Vietnam War and I think they'd want to send in troops to show that they can, in fact, get rid of communism in certain countries uh, to stop the domino effect from taking place.
0: Well, I think that 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 is one way, certainly, of looking at Korea, that they would not managed to save half of Korea from communism. But there is also another spin on that. So, other than them wanting to save another country that's at risk of falling to communism, and that is, I mean, both Korea and Vietnam were actually civil wars. People think of it, it as like America. When soldiers got involved in the Korean War, it was the UN, led by America. The Vietnam War was a civil war uh, in the bit between the French coming and the Americans getting a dick in the nose, and it was between the South and the capitalists and the North and the communists. And America looked perhaps at what they'd managed to achieve in Korea by stopping the North Koreans from taking over South Korea. Because North Korea invaded South Korea, and the UN and America stepped in, the UN largely led by America, stepped in and pushed the North Koreans back into North Korea. So perhaps they thought, well, we did it once, we can do it in Vietnam. But the big big reason why, well, one of the reasons why it perhaps didn't work so well in Vietnam, two reasons. One geography, um, because Korea is surrounded by the sea, and if you were communists in the north wanting to get supplies to maybe communist guerrilla fighters in the south, and I don't mean the animal, I mean fighters that run away and hide if a superior force come and come and fight them, then you would only be able to supply them by boats, and it's easy to stop boats. It's easy to see them in the sea. In Vietnam, okay, one half of it of the country is bordered by the sea. But the other side, it's it's Laos and Cambodia and jungle. So it's easier to sneak supplies through two communist groups in the south. But perhaps a bigger reason was the South Vietnamese government was utterly incompetent um, and not popular at all. Am I fringing on some of your points? So, ah, you should have pressed the button. Let's, Let's try that out. I'll just pretend I'm still in my flow. The button, the button. Come on, still in my flow. Vietnam. Oh, oh, you've got a point to make, have you, Daniel? There we go. Then I'll pass it over to you.
4: Well, my main point is that the South Vietnam and the government was a bit incompetent, a bit unstable, and a bit corrupt. So now, you first look at the leader. Uh, excuse the pronunciation. New Din Diem. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't the first leader, of course. I mean, the French tried to put up a leader up begin with uh, the former emperor. However, you know, he was removed, and then this guy comes in, and he's, you know, he had a, a rich family during, you know, quite a long time before. You know, even though the the family cooperated with the uh, the Japanese, cooperated with the French, so they kind of profited from coloniaz- colonialization, and then it's seemed it as much as a problem. Um the leader himself has said, you know, he was quite corrupt. He was not popular with the people. The people did not like him. Um and the reason why he was kinda of put in because was because the US could trust him, um, you know, in some form, even though, you know, they did disagree with him on some parts, such as his anti-Buddhist policies, which I mean I mean, with that kind of led to uh m- many Buddhists burning themselves, which I mean got a lot of media publicity headlines all around the world, mainly in Western countries, Um, and I mean, even you know looking away from the leader, the the whole South Vietnam after the French left was a disaster. I mean, when the French left after the war, they basically cleared department buildings and took contents and even you know military equipment down to right to the basics, um, which basically meant it was unstable. And even his family, I mean. When he went into government, New York didn't dime yes Dave, dave. <laughs> we'll go by dave. <laughs> <laughs> when dave came in, when Dave came into the government he <laughs> i'm going to buy it I'm going to buy it it's easy. <laughs> he's Dave and in our, <laughs> in our books it's Dave.
1: You know, you've got Ho in the enlightened one in the north, you've got Dave in the south, who are you <laughs> fighting for realistically?
0: <laughs> so just to clarify, it's um, I believe it's Ngo Din Diem, uh, but we're struggling to pronounce it, so we're gonna call him Dave from now on. See,
4: the book's that tell you how to pronounce, pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> no, just, you, you can try and pronounce it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going by Dave, we're, okay. we're leaving it there. Anyway, so I mean, even when he went to government, he had his American advisors, however, in the close government, in the close kind of circle, we'll say, it was only his family. I mean, you know, two of his brothers, they owned private armies, um, you know, I think it's his half, some p- half family. They were, you know, ambassadors to uh, America and Britain. And even his brother, I mean, he was seen as a dodgy character. I mean, his pa- even his, um, his brother was seen as an apparent admirer of the Nazi Germany and a fascist himself. Um, he also had linked organized crime.
0: So to, to add on to that point as well, uh, the Prime Minister of France said that, uh, well, we could call him Dave, or D M that's just his surname, it's a bit easier to pronounce, um, was, and this is the quote, not only incapable, but mad. So this is the sort of thing that, that foreign uh, leaders were thinking of him. Um, President Johnson said, well, I'm going to paraphrase one of the words, sugar, man. He's the only boy we got out there. Um, I have to do that because I, I told iTunes that there would be no naughty words in the podcast. And I don't want Apple coming after me because that never goes well. Um, anyway. Um, also, a reporter, a Vietnamese reporter, so criticising DiEM for, for the way he was is dealing with things, said the people in Hanoi, so the communists in North Vietnam, might be absolute... I'm going to insert a word here. Absolute sausages. So we'll have to bleep that. Be <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do a bleep. I mean, okay. Have you got a point to make, or are you just, no, no, just the beep. oh, you just you're premature beep. No, just I see. You've got. All <laughs> <a>, right. <laughs> anyway, the the people in Hanoi may be absolute something beginning with B, um, but they would never be so stupid as to appear before the people in a Mercedes Benz. In other words, I mean. I don't know, I've not got it in front of me here, but they, they spent huge amounts of more money on dance halls than they did on hospitals. You know, they were, they were totally corrupt. The Americans were giving them absolute fortunes and the majority of it was being siphoned off by corrupt South, gover- South Vietnamese government officials and not spent on the sort of things which would turn the people in favour of capitalism and the South regime. And what it's saying about the Mercedes-Benz is Vietnam was horrendously poor. And the guy who was supposed to be leading them is appearing in Mercedes-Benz and building dance halls and having flash banquets. Whereas Ho Chi Minh, they referred to him as Uncle Ho, a lot of the North Vietnamese. He would go around in presen- in, in the peasant uh, outfits on purpose because it looked better. It was better publicity to do that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, wh- wh- what other points have we got about... Oh, got, we're got. we going back, are we? There we go. What else? <laughs>
4: well, I mean... um. Even you know later on, it kind of proved that America also did not have much control over the South's government, even though they kind of propped them up. I mean, even you know going back to the Buddhist um, anti-Buddhist policies, when JFK you know asked them to make some reforms to these, you know, he responded by you know initiating martial law, which kind of shows a lack of U.S. authority over the South. You know, and against instability, when also the South did do a coup against him, and you know put another interesting name in. Uh, Min will go by just his last name. Min, we'll play safe. Um, so Call I mean, Mike <laughs> Mike. and I mean, Mike and then and David this was wasn't the, <laughs> and this wasn't the last leader. It kind of continuously went on. You know, you know, it's instability, it's instability. Anyway,
0: and the point that links to all of this, the reason why this explains why America got involved, is because the southern. Vietnamese government was so incompetent they were never going to win the civil war themselves and the people of Vietnam were never going to elect the capitalists in South Vietnam if these incompetent people were the best they had. Right, we're back on. So the Gulf of Tonkin, which we're going to hear about, was um, the point at which America had decided they, they felt compelled they needed to get involved, or South Vietnam was going to fall to communism. It was like their excuse. The Gulf of Tonkin is an area off the coast of North Vietnam, and I believe, Tom, are you going to tell us about about the the events of the Gulf of Tonkin, of what happened in the Gulf of Tonkin? Okay, over to Tom.
5: Right. So the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was uh, passed on August seventh, nineteen sixty four. So uh, what actually happened in the Gulf of Tonkin was uh, two US uh, U.S. naval destroyers were supposedly shot at by um, North Vietnamese boats. Uh, both of these boats were uh, stationed in the Gulf of Tonkin which is off the east coast of Vietnam. Um, the USS Maddox was the first to get shot at on uh, August 2nd and the US Turner Joy was uh, supposedly shot at on the fourth of August, uh, ninety-sixty-four. Both ships reported the fire upon by the North Vietnamese patrol boats, but doubts about the second attack did later emerge.
0: So yeah, America was where they shouldn't have been. Um, they, the, there were actually two nights of attacks. The first night, America was right off the coast of North Vietnam, supporting South Vietnamese commandos who were raiding into North Vietnam to blow things up, which they weren't supposed to be doing. And Americans, wa- American boats weren't supposed to be there. And so North Vietnamese torpedo boats fired at them. The second time, America was further away from the North Vietnamese coast, and p- probably either in Vietnamese waters, but close to international waters, or in international waters. And some Americans aboard the USS Maddox thought they were being fired on again and fired back. And afterwards... It, they they, ra- they made sure Washington was aware of it immediately or as soon as possible but afterwards they started to have doubts as to whether or not they were actually firing at anything at all and it may have been that they were just a bit jumpy because of what had happened the day before but even though they told the President and the White House that perhaps they'd made a bit of a mistake the second day, the American politicians and the media made out that this was the attack unprovoked attack from North Vietnamese ships on American ships. And when you think, why would they do that? Why would a very poor, new, communist nation, without much in the way of military strength, decide to take on and attack the most powerful nation in the whole world at the time? Of course, they wouldn't. They were actually really scared originally. They were wary of... Getting Americans involved. It's something that held them back for some of the 1950s. Um, but that's what the Americans said, and that's the pa- picture that they painted. And Congress elected to give Johnson the power to send troops to Vietnam and to send uh, Air Force to bomb Vietnam. You, wh- why are you just stroking the button? It's <laughs> do you want to say something? Yes, but I don't know. We know you pressed the button, that's fine. That's the idea of the button. <laughs> right. I know if you gonna it. Well, over to you. Over to
4: you well, I mean, um, so of course the resolution was passed by Congress, and this basically authorized the president to take all necessary measurements um, or measures anyway to use armed forces against any aggressors. Now this is basically giving the president any like, veto power. Uh, I mean, of course, in the end, in the, you know ni- 1970 June, Congress rep- repealed this, of course. After the atrocities of the war. Uh, <laughs> James, you don't need to hit him more than
1: once. Uh James, do you want to say something? That's what I thought. Wait, That's what I, th- I f- Stand down.
0: Can you give him your best introduction? He's just yes. The
1: podcast well. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> introducing a new opponent. <laughs> give a drum roll, please. For Mr. James. Hi. Yeah. No, I was going to add on to Dan's point um, that he put really well was about American involvement in wars that they really shouldn't have been and about how, uh, I think it was Eisenhower, during the Korean War, did a very similar thing to Johnson uh, and Kennedy, whereby there were soldiers in Korea, you know, um, without permission from Congress, and the Americans were always looking for an excuse as to why there should be an escalation of the war, and Eisenhower never found that during his war, you know, in the Korean War. He always excused um, his involvement in Korea as being international policing, I think, or something of that effect. And that's exactly what the Americans, I think, were trying to do in Vietnam, was they were trying to provoke the enemy um, into attacking. And uh, I think, fa- you know, thankfully for, for Johnson, he managed to get uh, permission from Congress to make it seem a little more legal. But I think the second time around in, in um, Vietnam, you know, perhaps they got away with it in Korea because was a lot more political fervor behind stopping communism. But in the 1960s, this, you know, this new wave of radical ideas uh, from younger generations it really changed the way people were perceiving the war. Um, so, yeah.
0: Domino's Pizza. No, I'm only joking. Is that, video, is that advert still around? It used to always be on after the Simpsons. Pe- people who are old will know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I've got a f- um Also, there's the fact that America, by the point at which they sent combat troops, had spent so much money on the Vietnam War They'd given the French $2.5 billion to fight on their behalf to try, well, say, kind of on their behalf, try to stop the spread of communism. America had decided um, after the Second World War, eventually, when the Cold War broke out, that it was better to have France in control of French Indochina, even though they didn't really support colonialism, than it was to have the communists in charge. So they'd given the French, between 1945 and 1954, when the French gave up and left, 2.5 billion dollars that was u.s. taxpayers money all to fight the war in vietnam and it's a lot of money now it would have even more money in the nineteen fifties and that would have all gone down the drain if they'd then just let vietnam fall to communism Um, and there's another thing which we've not really mentioned about why america might have decided to send combat troops and oh we've got we've got one over here oh go on then we're back to alex go
2: Uh, so i'd like to talk about the red scare uh, since the Second World War, in particular, uh, in particularly the 1950s, the USA had experienced um, what became known as the Red Scare. This was when people were particularly scared of communist spies, and had got uh, into important, po- who had got into important positions uh, in the United States, such as governments. There were some communist spies in the US just as there were some capitalist spies in the Soviet Union but the amount of fear about the how the communist spies or communist sympathizers massively outweighed the number that actually existed. Thousands of people's lives now this is the I think the big thing about this, fab, uh, thousands of people's lives were ruined after they were accused of being communist sympathizers whether it was true or not and usually it wasn't Nobody was safe. For example, Charlie Chaplin was forced to leave USA in 1952. The media blew the problem out of proportion, like they do most things, uh, and fear of communism reached great heights in the USA after World War II.
0: Well, I'll tell you a bit about Charlie Chaplin, seeing seeing as how you mentioned him. Uh, He was born in, in this country, and his family were in the workhouse, so they were the poorest of the poor. And he left, went to America and obviously became one of the most famous movie stars of all time. But he never forgot the poverty that had affected his childhood and affected his family. And and often spoke about it and that was enough for him to be labelled a bit sympathetic, sympathetic to communism about redistributing the wealth. Which is why they didn't kick him out but he left to visit England or to go on holiday or something. He left, they just didn't let him back. They informed him when he was gone, you're not coming back. And that's the extent of paranoia. I don't know what sort of damage Charlie Chaplin was going to do to America. I mean, drop a piano down some stairs or hit somebody with a ladder by accident that they were carrying. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, that's the extent of the paranoia. There's another thing which I remember reading at one point where in a library in one part of America, the librarian chucked out all of the books about Robin Hood. All of the Robin Hood books, basically, because Robin Hood was a communist, Thank God. because <laughs> because he stole from the rich and gave to the poor, which communism is all about redistributing the wealth. So this is the extent of the paranoia. Now, why that affected why America got involved in Vietnam is because no American politician, if they wanted to stay elected as an American politician, could afford to be seen as soft on communism, because the country was scared of communism and the presidents were just the same they would not win elections if they were not acting tough on communism because america's a democracy and if the people are worried about communism you have to be seen to be doing something about it in order to stay in office Um, and so when this was happening in vietnam people worried and people thought that if if america did not stop communism in vietnam it was just going to keep spreading through the world because they, a lot of people believe the domino theory. Like a domino train, if you set up a load of dominoes, you hit the first domino. Eventually, the last domino is going to fall. Yeah, you can. You, the, I mean, we're not getting this buzzer. You don't have to wait for permission to press the buzzer. You press the buzzer, I will pass the, f- the microphone to you. Not that many times. Who invited him? Right over to other James. Here is your point. Here's your microphone.
6: Well. Personally, I believe that the reason that they sent troops is because is mainly to do with the fact that they hated communism so much, but also because the presidents might have received a bit of pressure from the public to send the troops over to Vietnam in order to, you know, get them to be elected and keep them elected. Because the American public hated communism so much, and so I I I believe that uh, if the president didn't send troops to Vietnam, then it would fall back on the. Uh, thanks. I was just going to add on to James's point that it's not as though
1: the Americans at the time didn't have reason to fear the Soviet Union. Uh, I think a lot of the Germans um, that lived in um, Eastern East Germany. Uh, ended up defecting to the West because East Germany was claimed by the Soviet Union. Most of Eastern Europe in, being claimed by the Soviet Union. They were a frightening force. People hadn't seen things like this before, and it, it really scared them. But the Americans, for a while after the war, felt quite safe, I think, because they had the atomic bomb. And this was, you know, I think we've all heard about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But it, it was, you know, this was, the well, it is, you know, to this day, the single most powerful weapon in the world. And it was held exclusively by the Americans. In fact, I read a book a few years ago about how even, you know, how even the British feared the Americans at the time, just because of how powerful this thing was. As soon as the Soviet Union got hold of that, you know, it was game over, you know, politically, because it's sort of like what we've let them, you know, the ones that we were already scared of, you know, get hold of it. And I think that's where the hatred came from for communism. As we all know, you know, most hatred comes from fear and disgust comes from fear. I think the Americans responded to communism in this way because they were just scared for their lives and they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, of course, when your politicians are, are, you know, depicting these communists as being, you know, sort of evil and lunatics and they, they were led by Stalin and Mao and these you know they'd killed millions of their own people what would they do to us you know they, don't, they clearly don't care about you know their own countries and their own people you know we have very adverse ideas and yeah James go ahead
0: now it occurs to me at this point that maybe some of you sat there will be thinking what's this got to do with Vietnam and America that America are scared of the Soviet Union Well, America kind of assumed in this period that all communists were under the influence of the Soviet Union perhaps because most capitalist nations were under the influence of America because of its wealth and trade links. But it wasn't the case. Not every nation was under Soviet control and Soviet influence. The Vietnamese were influenced by the Soviet Union, but perhaps it might be right to say they were more influenced by the Chinese. But it was the fear of the Soviet Union in particular, as this sort of leader of the communist world, that led america to perhaps fear what was going on in vietnam
6: just to link back to sam's point there the biggest factor in that was probably fear as well and that would link well to the uh gulf of tonkin incident because it's been dispute, disputed that uh there was no actual north vietnamese boat that the americans said they'd seen down in off the south vietnamese coast and so what had ha- what had happened in the event, if you didn't know already, know is uh, two U.S. destroyers stationed in the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam radioed that they'd been fired upon by North Vietnamese forces. And in response to these reported incidents, President Lyndon B. Johnson requested permission from the U.S. Congress to increase the U.S. military presence in Indochina. So, what I would take from that is the fact that if it's only if it's been speculated upon whether there was an actual boat this would probably be an excuse for the Americans to...
0: We've talked about the Gulf of Tonkin a couple of times in this episode, and it's probably worth just clarifying a few points around the Gulf of Tonkin and what it was all about. Now, it's largely been accepted as the excuse that President Johnson needed to be able to ask Congress to escalate the war. Now, it all ties in with the Red Scare and the atmosphere in America at the time that politicians pretty much unanimously backed Johnson when the whole uh, Gulf of Tonkin incident happened. Whether American ships were attacked or not, it certainly wasn't unprovoked. Um, but if they did happen to be attacked on that second day, probably not, um, then it was a gift f- for Johnson, should he want to escalate the war to, make, to try to defeat the communists once and for all that were infiltrating into South Vietnam probably was no Vietnamese attack on that second day and even if there was, the Americans had kind of provoked it the first day by supporting commando raids in North Vietnam. But the key thing about the Gulf of Tonkin incident is it's not really a reason why America got involved it's more of an excuse that they needed to send the troops once they decided they had to get involved
5: yeah, sure. Go on, Oh, <laughs> I <laughs> finished? Well, yeah, you go, you were. Okay. <coughs> Sorry, I just wanted to mention about more like media, because it was one of the first wars that had media presence out there and able to report to the war uh, <laughs> about it. So that also added to the fear aspect that Sam was talking about, because people back home in America could add their opinions on the war a lot easier than before with the media being there so i was going to add really
1: briefly about media just it was um cameras in particular video footage coming back to the country on mass um you know that sort of thing i mean particularly with the self immolation of the monks um under and go uh, Ziem, you know that was brought back in explicit detail to the american public and they couldn't depict themselves as the heroes anymore when they had you know images like that coming coming home
0: well we're delving into the middle of the war a little bit we're de- we're we're going on the edge of that i think we we're we're already at ten past four. It's just gone like that. I was talking about that. Um, so I think we need to do a part two of causes of the Vietnam War, maybe uh, on another Friday, because we've not quite found our way to the bottom. We haven't done our conclusions of what we think the main reason was. There's there's one more thing which I will just leave us with this time before we wrap up, which is America just assumed they'd win. There's not the rest of it. It's like it's it's the equivalent of a bodybuilder or a heavyweight cage fighter thinking they're going to have to fight a 11-year-old or maybe maybe a more accurate description would be they have to fight um three 11-year-olds in a cage like a cage fighter a great big heavyweight trying to fight three 11-year-olds and they thought they'd win easily what they didn't bank on is that actually in the ring would be two hundred eleven-year-olds and they wouldn't know which three they were fighting uh, <laughs> and it would be a, that was that's kinda like what guerrilla warfare was and um, but yeah they just they just assumed that they were the good guys the everybody they ended up fighting with the bad guys there was a Belief that the government had their b- everybody's best interests in ha- at heart and wouldn't lie to them, and that ultimately, if they went to Vietnam, they would win in Vietnam. And that massive overconfidence played into the idea of, well, we may as well get involved because we're America and and we'll win. Um, right, that's it for this time. So we'll come back for a part two. Uh, oh, you want to say something right then? Facts. Oh yes, you've got an interesting yeah. fact. Well, we'll we'll end with an interesting fact and then a song from James.
1: <laughs> Thank you, James. I look forward to it. So I was going to say my little interesting fact, because I like to do this at the end. It's my dubious interesting fact that may or may not be true. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, no, so apparently, during the Vietnam War, uh, more heavy uh, munitions, like bombs and stuff and the napalm, was dropped on Vietnam than in the entirety of World War II, uh, Allies and Axis combined. On Japan and Germany. Yeah, that was it, on Japan and Germany, J- in the entire, yeah.
0: That is absolutely true, and they thought that through bombing North Vietnam, that would cause them to quit. And the Germans thought that when they thought, well, we'll bomb Britain into surrender in the Battle of Britain, but in both occasions, all it did was make the people that they bombed more mad and determined to beat them. We've got another buzz. We all want to go, but we're just so enthusiastic. No! No! We're just so enthusiastic. We've got more interesting facts, right, quick, go.
5: Right, so I just wanted to add on Sam's point of the bombs dubious and everything, the, the dubious fact, yes. Um, the United States o- launched Operation Rolling Thunder, which was a plan to bomb North Vietnam and multiple different of the North Vietnamese targets. And it started on, well, it was, I'm not sure, started or passed uh, on 13th of February 1965. And it ended yeah. and it lasted more than two years in
0: and finally,
5: well, um,
4: this wasn't put to m- you know mention that half a <laughs> <I'm
0: joking.
4: laughs> <No! I'm joking. laughs> half joking. half a million oh <laughs> 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 <That's> <laughs> that half a million U.S. soldiers deserted between you know 1966 to 73. You know, you know, showing that a war isn't you know, I say glorious. I mean, that no war is glorious, but I mean, there's something seriously wrong especially with, you know, the Viet Cong tactics and the atrocities. I,
0: t- I, I tell you what, no if, we, if we don't do another on the causes, which we may or may not, we'll certainly do one on the, the fighting itself because I think we've found a bit about that already and we need to delve into that. But we've got to go because Mrs. Otway might divorce me if I stay <laughs> at school <laughs> indefinitely doing this flipping podcast. Um. So, James, do you want to sing us out? Yeah,
6: sure. You Belong to Me by One Direction by James. <laughs> uh, shall I do a thematic song? Yes. <laughs> Oh say, can you see?
0: And so there we have it. An analysis of why America might have got so heavily involved in such a disastrous war in a country which you might think America really had no business getting involved in. It cost them huge amounts of money, not to mention the the lives destroyed and the damage it did to America's reputation in the world. I think the lads did a fantastic job and now, don't forget, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can contact us at histteacherpod on Twitter, or you can send questions in or request to historyteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.